you. Are now. About to witness. The awesome. Brushing might. Of. The U. G. S. Robinson Show Stop Welcome my friend <laughs> Well show that apparently never ends This is V one one or Eugene Robinson Showstopper I need to Eugene Robinson but first, the music that has sung us in since 2007 is Stigmata, Bob O'Reilly, from the record Calling of the Just. The song is called Intro, All of Nothing. Still available from Revelation Records. In Huntington Beach, California, the place where they hit your car with a hammer or shoot you to death in a nightclub. Buy it. Go there to the page, the little magnifying glass, stigmata, calling of the just. They have all records, but only calling of the just. But before we start the show, Mr. P getting ahead of the game in the comments. Listen well to the show's credo. Watch Bob on the New York Hardcore Chronicles as well. It's amusing. Because I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at you. So being paid back in full, always nothing. All right, all right. Welcome, my friends. Apparently, to a show that seemingly never sort of ends. This is the Eugene S. Rob Show Stomper, and it is show one, a one, a four. And uh, I was going to go with the Leonard Pinth Garnell. If you go back to Dan Aykroyd's early characterization of the sissified Leonard Pinth Garnell, and he used to do a whole series called bad theater or bad musical or bad dance and at the end of which he would take the coda as he sat on his stool above a retractable garbage can and he would drop it in he said there now that wasn't very good now was it and 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 i and i have to say if you paid attention to the show at all uh well we'll get into that in a second let's get the commercials out of the way because i'm going to forget this for sure so after all the dust settled and uh, uh, Mr. P might know this is coming. After all the dust settled and we went through the uh, uh, PayPal account and we looked at the books and, and we leaned on Marty G to print some more, we, we got two left of the Eugene S. Robinson Guide to Gym Etiquette uh, for the fundraiser for Sorrow Academy. That's info at Sorrow Academy 
Oodle.com. These are signed and they come with a oodle of, of uh, grab bag stuff, T-shirt, double CDs, a bunch of stuff, all in one package. The top bid was $500. The lowest was 50 For these remaining two, uh, uh, Marty G, for some reason, and I, he could explain better why, he said that he would take the bid for the last two only during this show. So if you are watching, it is now May 17th. If you are watching this later on YouTube, you could probably make a bit of info at, that, that is where you go for the PayPal, info at Sorao, S-E-R-A-O, academy.com for these last two books to raise money uh, for Sorao. Uh, it looks like we'll be able to start rolling again in, in uh, July. Uh, so we just got to make it, we just got to make it through June. <laughs> Uh, so we have a place to do jujitsu. Uh, outside of that, uh, 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 Patreon.com, money comes back to the UGS Robinson Show Stop because I'll still need a new – you can't see it. I tried to show it to you, the laptop. Oh, I guess I can. I, I'll show it to you right now. Let's see if we can show – if I can do it. If I can bounce you back, you could see uh, – no, this is going to This is gonna be an inevitable – Nah, nah, this is going to be a really weird fail. You're going to see some stuff. It's going to make you. No, there you go. Okay, so can you see? The, yeah, there you go. If you can look, just you see the, the duct tape that I need to keep the laptop together and the keyboard that I need to have on top of the laptop so that I can use the keyboard. So a, uh, still buy Apple stock. But uh, this is about the end of a, of a juiceful life, and that's what we're raising money for. The Patreon.com slash the stomper or pinko. 95014 at yahoo.com. Mr. R from Vegas, thank you. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out how to get the money you sent out of Cash App, but uh, I think with luck and and and, and Persa, luck and Persa, luck and Persa, per, per, with luck, I'll figure out how to get it. Now, that's a joke. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 V. Vio Real, we got, we got, we got it, and you should be getting it uh, if you haven't gotten your 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 package already. Um, so thank you for that. And, and so the pinko nine five zero one four at yahoo.com. Anyway, on with the show one one four. So like I was saying, you know, if, if you've been paying to the show for pay, paying attention to the show for any length of of time, um, what happens is, you know. It is like we do. What is that movie by Alan? Uh, the book by Alan Stilato, uh, British angry young man, British writer. Saturday night, Sunday morning. So we wake up on the blear-eyed Sunday morning, or if uh, Lee Hazelwood, one Sunday, one velvet morning, we wake up, have a moment of clarity, and look back on the three fights that we that we saw, or had to see, or watched under protest or not. And then like, like, like any, any good drug user, you sit up and you go, well, you, like our Henry James at the end of every chapter, what did I learn? Did I learn anything? Or more importantly, given the, the focus of the show, how do I feel? And you can hear me, right? I'm guessing if you couldn't hear me, you would have said something before now. How do you feel? After, after three nights, three fights, they, they bunched them together, I, I'm sure, because they said, look, Pascal's wager, right? If, if people get sick as a result of this, at least we got three under our belt. Thank you, sir. At least we got three under our belt. 
if we space them out like normal and people start getting sick between one and two, then I'm going to have to scratch three. If they start getting badly sick after one, I'm going to have to scratch two. Fuck it. Bundle them all. A, 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 a strategic ploy on the bald one's part. Smart. Doesn't guarantee future success, but smart. So how do you feel? It's funny. It's funny because you can watch you can watch a movie like The Departed and enjoy that movie and then that last 30 seconds where the rat runs across the balcony and the camera pulls out so you could see balcony rat state capital and you go come on how fucking stupid do you think I am and I'm sitting at home throwing my hands up or what maybe I even saw that movie for the first time in the movie theater I'm just shaking my head I go Martin 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 if you're not directing movies with people at least as smart as you, don't even bother. And that movie, of all the movies he's done, wins, wins, wins some major awards, right? Not Raging Bull. No, 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 that one. Kevin Powell from MTV's Real World threatened to beat me up when we were coming to a parting of the ways, and I it was fundamentally firing him from Code Magazine. And what he said to me before is that people are stupid in America. They need to be educated. And I said to him, if, if I don't imagine that I'm doing a magazine for people at least as smart as I am, I, I can't get out, I gotta get out of bed in the morning. I don't know how you could do this. I have no interest in, interest in teaching. And some of you recently have come to me and said, Eugene, uh, you know, the other people who listen to your show, they're the real idiots. You can't count on them understanding your nuance and your whatever, man. Yeah, exactly. It was a remake. But I guarantee you in the version that it remade, uh, uh, we didn't see any rats superposed over the city council. Did you, the, the Japanese, the, I don't think so. Exactly. It's all there. It's like, it's like um, I mean, I'm using words. Right. <laughs> I'm using words, so it should be understood. Let me take you back a bit in time. Well, well before we start to go back in time, my, my, my point, my point is that I want to know how I feel. And I tell you, at, at this vantage point of Sunday morning after Saturday night and Wednesday and last week, I actually don't feel good, but I. I felt good early on in the week, but something started to wear on me. And something that started to wear on me came to a head on, on last night. So all of us, I mean, you ever have that? I remember sitting out in the field once and the sun was shining and it was a beautiful day. The music was playing and it was lilting. And I was sitting out there and I was talking to this woman. She's African. Actually, she was half African, half Italian. I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, you know, man, she looks all right. And in the way that, 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 that <laughs> you know, I find that people get in trouble when they try to get slick. And so I've never really tried to get slick. I said, hey, you know what? You know what I think would be a good idea right now? If we were to walk down the street to my apartment and have sex, I think that would be fucking tops. I can't. I can't imagine anything better right now. Would you do that with me? And she was like, smiled a bit, and she thought she was, yeah, yeah, I think that would be a good idea. And in that space of time, 
In that 45 seconds, it took her to slowly, you know, the day and maybe whatever she had been drinking. I had been drinking, you know, actually I wasn't drinking then, but what you know what I mean. But, you know, that they had started to settle around. In that time that she said yes to my request and finished her sentence where she would say, yeah, I think that would be a pretty good idea. I did some rapid fire lightning thinking and I was like, you know what? You're not giving me anything. Why did I frame it in, term of, in terms of a request? We are sharing something. You, it's not transaction, transactional. You are not giving me anything. We are sharing an experience that's going to be at least as, as significant for you as it is for me. I was just the first one to acknowledge it. I should be rewarded for this. But now I've set it up so I've asked you something and you've chosen to give me something. Sh uh, underscoring an unequal power balance of which I will have no part. And so after she had agreed to do this, I was like, ah, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> I was, never mind. I, she was beautiful. Never mind. Ah, never mind. I just went back to enjoying the music like nothing else was said. And that's how good things can be ruined by, 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 turns and twists of phrases and vantage points. Years ago, yeah, <laughs> hey, well, it went to other places after that, but I'm not going to get into that because we don't need to hear embarrassing stories about UGS Robinson. That's not why we come to this show. <laughs> we're not talking about that now. Right, we're talking about some other time. So you get Donna Shalala me on this show, but a few uh, years ago, not that many years ago, but a few years ago, uh, I was having a, a pitch professional battle with a, a colleague who I've mentioned before. Um, he, well, I don't, this is my show. I could talk about it again. He was the guy who wrote the Quincy Troop. He wrote the uh, Miles Davis thing, and it, but it was it was a it was a cold war. I mean, because on the surface we liked each other, you know. I met him and Ishmael Reed. Yeah, Ishmael Reed was a big idol of mine, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, you know. Uh, I didn't like him so much after meeting him. He wasn't as nice to me as I would have liked, but whatever. That's another story. So, so we have this under, he was pulled into Code Magazine because they didn't think I was a big enough name or presence to take people away from the fact that uh, Larry Flint was doing a, 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 a fashion magazine for men of color. So they bring in Quincy True. So they, we got offered a TV slot on the what I call the murderer's TV show, Jenny Jones, right? The mur and I say the murderous TV show because it's the only talk show I know that somebody got murdered off of. They did one of these like reveals, and later the guy who had been outed as a homosexual, uh, 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 or no, the person who had revealed himself to have a crush on this guy. So it was it was a double reveal. He was revealing that he was homosexual, and two, he was revealing he, who he had a crush on. The guy who it was revealed that he had a crush on felt embarrassed, tracked him down, and murdered him. And that was the end of Jenny Jones. But somebody on the staff gets invited to Jenny Jones. And he's like, you know what? And this is me guessing what he said, because I don't know for a fact. He goes, I'm not going to get on that garbage scow of a TV show. But you know who's stupid enough to do it? Eugene. He's stupid. Yep. Yeah. Scott Amador. He's stupid enough to go on that show. So he comes to say, Eugene, I got a great opportunity. I'm a little too busy myself, but maybe you could be on a TV show. And 
I know exactly what's coming. I see it. Snake in the grass. I see it coming. Like uh, uh, Willie D from the Ghetto Boys said. I agree to it instantaneously. Why? Because you can't crank King Crank. I see it coming. I agree. And of course, Larry Flint is all over it because they pick up the tab. They fly me to, I think it was Chicago. A limo pulls up to the airport, picks me up. It was the shittiest limo ever, distinguished by my limo driver. Yo, dog. Hey, dog. Hey, man, what do you like? You like men? You like, you like women, men? You, I'm going to go do the show. All right, man, you gamble with that. You want to play some cards, man? I go, nah, I'm no good at cards, man. Like anything you want, man, you let me know after the show we go. Actually, that's, that's a very bad imitation of my Vietnamese driver. I love this guy. I stayed in touch with him after this. He was hooked up, hooked the fuck up, anything you need. I said, well, it's not so much what I need, my friend, but it's what you need. Because I bet I got what you need more than you got what I need. <laughs> no, no, no. So he takes me to the studio. I get out of the studio. I get out. I go up. And it's like everything is horrible and cheap right away. But I'm prepared for this. Like, I'm like, ah, this is great. Look at it. Look at the limo. I mean, this really impresses the yokels, right? They get in this limo and they be, oh, my God, I'm going to fancy limo. I open up the thing. There's fake drinks and no drinks in the limo. And they take me upstairs and they put me in this green room. Well, they put me in a, in a conference room. Actually, no, they put me in a what looks like to be a cafeteria. And there are a bunch of people sitting in there. And I hear some guys saying, I've done Jenny Jones. I've done Jerry. What is that guy? Jerry, Jerry Springer. I've done Jerry Springer. I've done Jerry Jones. And then I realized I'm in there with a bunch of a bunch of performers. They, oh, wow, wow. This so but only a few of them are performers. Some of them are performers, and some are real people. So my portion of the show was gonna be the expert. They have lunatic on this issue side of the issue, lunatic on this side of the issue issue. And a loon, and in a, se- a, a, a secondary lunatic backing up the first lunatic, and and you know, a, 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 a tertiary or the lunatic backing up. The, the, I guess it would be it would be the fourth. I can't do it. Backing up, and then Deus Ex Machina style. In the middle comes the expert, me, and I make everybody happy. So I'm sitting there, and I'm still kind of laughing, thinking I'm on top of this. Then they say, Hey, we got to take you to the green room. We're gonna put on your makeup. And they never take me in the makeup, and I'm sitting there, and they're doing my makeup, and I'm watching the show that's on a monitor in the in the dressing room. And uh, the assistant comes in, and uh, and she sees me, and she has me sign some papers, and they're doing, and uh, asks me how I am, and the whole bit, and I'm watching the show, and the show's theme was on people who hate their races. So they had a black guy who hated black people. They had a white person who hated white people. And then they had the people that backed up these people. And then they had me as the expert. Yeah, it's the bottom of the barrel, right? So all my smile and my smirk now after watching about half an hour of the show and the audience and Sally, it's just, it's making me sick. You know, it's like when you think you're a tough guy and then you figure out, actually, man, I'm not a tough guy. What is that great movie, Lady from Shanghai with Orson Welles, 
And his friend explains, you know what a tough guy is? A tough guy is somebody with an edge. Without that edge, you have no tough guys. I thought I had an edge. They didn't have an edge. And they must have set the word up because in the commercial break, Jenny comes in herself. And she looks at my face and she sees, like I'm actually, like I feel nauseous. And she looks at my face. She, she looks at the screen. She looks at my face. She looks at me again. So she looks at my face, looks at the screen, looks back and says, these people are fucking idiots, right? And I was like, oh, thank God. Thank God. She knows. She knows. Okay. So now I'm back into postmodern humor. I kind of got, I'm like working my edge back a little bit. I'm like, oh my God, she knows. It's, it's distasteful work, but she knows it's distasteful and that somehow elevates it. And so we talk, we have this thing, you know, and then her assistant comes in, the same woman who came in earlier, and she says right after, and I'm pretty convinced this was their one-two step that they had had this plan. I don't know. She comes in right after and she says, uh, she says, hey, uh, okay, your, your segment's coming up, but, you know, I want you to go out there and I want you to uh, tell you what, I, what I really want you to do is I want you to, I want you to respond, not like the Stanford graduate you are. Not like, uh, you know, like the editor-in-chief of Code Magazine, which you are. So she's acknowledging the fact that I am these things, supporting whatever kind of identity I might have going into this. Yeah. Forget about the Stanford. Forget about the Code. Forget about the editor-in-chief. Forget about, I want you to go out there and I want you to tell us what you feel. I want you to dig deep inside and pull it out, and I want you to respond like a like a man. Eh? You see what she did? What she does? She what she did and what she does. Now it's become a referendum on my manhood, the ability to go out and bear my soul, to take Rosie Greer's message from the 60s about it's all right to cry, even big boys do it, and just let it fly. You just get out there and let it fly. And I say, okay, okay. Now, this is the moment from Empires of the Sun where the, the, the guy is in the back of the truck and the Japanese soldier says, pick up that rock. And he goes, I am an officer in the British Army and I will not go, bam, boom. And they stove his face in with the rifle. John Malkovich jumps out. And the guy goes, no, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. And John Malkovich looks at him like, <laughs> and picks up the fucking rock, right? This is the moment we're standing in the wings for this show. I should have picked up the fucking rock. But I started getting sick again. And so they say, next up from Code Magazine, editor-in-chief Eugene S. Robinson. And I walk out to a, a smattering of applause because people are looking at me and they don't know why I'm there. Like they haven't figured, they haven't seen the strings behind this show. Where there's, you know, Lunatic 1, Lunatic 2. Lunatic 1 back up, Lunatic 2 back up. Deus Ex Machina, Eugene comes and makes everything okay. They don't know this. They just know that I'm a black guy in a suit. So I walk out and they say, what do you think about all this? And I didn't pick up the rock. I just, I looked into the audience's eyes. I looked into the camera and I said, you do realize that there's no reality to any of this. And I proceeded to undercut 
the entire premise of the show. I didn't go so far as to out them and to say that these people are appearing on Jerry Springer. They're appearing on multiple shows, and that means fundamentally that they are not real. I was supposed to sit there for another segment. The expert comes in. There are five segments. The lunatic one, lunatic two, um, uh, they fight it out. They have the expert come in, and then everybody says kumbaya at the end. Yeah. So I come out. They say, oh, that's great. That's great. Come on. And I don't ever get invited back for the kumbaya moment. I'm back in the limo with my connected limo driver. I'm back to the hotel. And that is that. Now, I had mixed feelings about it because when I watched the show, they cut out as much of me as they possibly could without. Ha- yeah, it's probably online somewhere. Cut, uh, early, early 2000s. Cut out as much of me as they could without completely not having me in it. And I think about this. Let's go backwards in time as usual. When I think about UFC fight night. And I think about Harris versus Overeem. And I think about everybody looking at the at the fucking script and knowing and, and look, I wouldn't have minded. Thank God. Thank God. I was in a situation where I could fast forward. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, so, so Mr. P watched it. They removed me completely. <laughs> completely. I never watched it because I never stopped being depressed about it. I never knew. And then Scott up the whole murder thing and the show got done. And Jesse, uh, 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 whatever her name is, uh, I'm getting her confused with Sally, Jesse Raphael. Jenny Jones is off the air. But if you watch the ESPN Plus broadcast, you're watching. First of all, when you see a commercial a number of different times, that's not a good sign. That doesn't mean that they paid a bunch more money for that. That means they had a bunch of time that they had to fill up. And it's like, tell you what, we'll give you a deal. For the price of one commercial, we'll give you 15 impressions. That's not a good sign. You don't see that in the Super Bowl, right? So when you see in the ESPN Plus this constant tug on your heartstrings with the thing and the guy's daughter, and keep in mind, keep in mind, there. I tell you, at one point, I was talking to Jello Biafra after I'd had uh, my first kid, and I was like, "Yeah, man, you know, I just I had my first kid." He goes, "Ah, you become a breeder then." And I was like, "I can't even talk to this guy. I can't even, realistically speaking, I I cannot communicate with people like this anymore." <laughs> I, I mean, I that was a thought I had in my mind. It's like. Even if you're a bad parent, you know that that's not the take. You know, it's not the take. And so there's certain things that I could easily take before having kids. And there's certain things that I that I'm very sensitive to after having kids. And I can barely can barely deal with the Walt Harris story, can barely deal because, of course, I have all daughters. And some of my daughters, my some of my daughters have not had 
had, had, had the greatest boyfriends. And like the, the movie I said I wanted to direct where, where everything happens, where, you know, even though drama is predicated on this idea that this was a day that something unusual happened, but that everything happened in this movie that I, that I directed as expected. Like the, 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 the rapist the kidnapper that they let out of prison, first thing the guy does, he said, I just wanted to go around, went to a mall to buy some shoes, sitting in the parking lot at the mall. Next thing I know, the mall was closing. Next thing I know, the, the manager from Victoria's Secret is closing up, and it looks like I've just been sitting in front of Victoria's Secret. Next thing I know, she's in the trunk of the car. Next thing I know, she's raped, raped, and killed. Uh, wife and I, she dragged me out for a walk today, and we end up walking by this place, and I go, oh, my God, she's what? I go, this is the place where this classmate of mine got murdered. Cat who murdered her, her name was Angie, Angie D. Ardvitson. I've talked about her before. Uh, Donald James Amos killed her, and he says that he uh, went on his delivery route, which is how they found him. He was a delivery driver and they found a receipt in the garbage can. And he said he opened up the door and she had been stabbed in the lobby, the vestibule, the foyer, and he picked her up and put her on the couch where she would be more comfortable. And she was alive when he left, but he got nervous and thought that people would think he did it, so he fled. And they caught him gave him second degree murder, he served 18 years in prison. I'm sure he's alive walking around out there somewhere now. So these things, I'm sensitive to these things. I'm not saying everybody else is less sensitive. I'm just saying I'm sensitive. But then when I see the fourth or fifth or sixth part of the packaging, that part of the packaging invites includes weight while we try reconnecting. All right, well, Okay, I'm, I'm guessing I'm back. So, uh, under normal circumstances, this would have been a this would have been a great fight. Everybody knows that what was supposed to happen here is that Walt Harris was supposed to win, and you're back. Walt Harris doesn't win, and now we're in they shoot horses they they shoot horses don't they territory, because. You know, there was no joy for Overeem in, in winning that fight. Who thought this was a good idea? Who thought that this was, you know what this is like? This is like ending Pulp Fiction with John Travolta getting shot in the toilet. Well, there have been a bunch of Stanford murders. There was Arliss Perry, too, which I've talked about on past shows, who was murdered in the Catholic Church and uh, in, in, in the Stanford Church. Turns out everybody thought Maury Terry in The Ultimate Evil thought that uh, she had been killed by the same cult that was involved in the Son of Sam killings. Turns out she was murdered by the, the brother of a Sunnyvale cop. And as they closed in on him, he killed himself. Courtesy of Ancestry.com or 23andMe. Now, and this is Angie D. Ardvinson. So, you, you know... Um, so Walt is a loser, and he and then he does a very nice text tweet after about how you know this foundation he and his his wife yeah Strzelewski was one of my actually I feel Strzelewski is in a very different category. Strzelewski is a cautionary tale for people in power. You know, make fun of my shoes, maybe you get a mountain climbing hammer in the head. Uh, 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 uh. What kind of hammer was it? Uh, ball peen hammer. I don't know. 
so he says, you know, my foundation for Ebenia. And Overeem was like, yeah, you know, going to apologize to dude. Okay. Okay. You, you know, I never, I never, none of my criticism of the departed ever redounded to, to Leonardo DiCaprio. I never mentioned him once. Or Marky Mark Wahlberg. Never mentioned him once. Always talked about Scorsese. Scorsese in this in instance, the bald one. Now, there's a couple of things happening. I'm not saying I doubt for a second his sincerity. Vis-a-vis -vis actual real human feelings for Walt Harris's plight. But it takes a certain kind of Milo Minderbender twist to then make your secondary, your tertiary step. Well, how can I, how can I, how can I make hay out of this? How can I turn straw into gold, crap into cash? How do I do that? How? How do I, how do I, how do I give this, how do I yank the silver lining out of this cloud? Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying this wasn't good for Walt Harris. Maybe that's just what he needed. You know, you got to get back in the flow of things. You got to get back out of the house. got to, you know, Travis Bickle said you can't spend your time involved in morbid self-attention. You can't do that. Maybe it was therapeutic. Same could have said about Leonardo DiCaprio or Marky Mark. Who knows what was happening in their lives? They are but actors on the stage, said Hamlet. But the circumstances of the engagement make me question the engager. I could be paranoid. I don't know. But let's keep going. And I'm not going to talk about all these fights because some of these fights are bullshit. Angela Hill won. Whatever. She was my pick. She's also a friend, a friend of Ozzy. The, the, the big article on her for, uh, uh, on her uh, uh, rising star section of Ozzy. And I'm loyal that way. I would have picked it no matter what. But I do think in this instance that she got robbed. People are talking about Dan Ige and that. Uh, okay. I mean, it's not overshadowing the fact to me that the testing protocols that supposedly were in place. Don't tell me that you have testing protocols and then violate those testing protocols for me to see. Don't tell me that. Now, I, I, don't, I don't care if you if you stand up and you go, we got testing protocols. <laughs> and let me know that you know you're bullshitting me. But like, like, like with the Hitlerian types of secrets, those we share, those I keep from you and about future events as don't, don't you know, you think I'm a mark? I'll steal every fight from fight from now till the end of the year. Don't make me do this. You think I'm a sucker. You tell me about testing protocols, clearly you don't give a shit. So who are you acting like you give a shit for? Now, DT, Divine Thought, he he he, uh, he says he, he says he thinks that MMA media has a fundamental misunderstanding, and he's right, about the nature of Endeavor, also known, formerly known as William Morris Agency, WME William Morris Endeavor, company of the failed IPO headed by uh, Ari Emanuel. 
And he said, you know, that the, the UFC is just a minor portion of, of their total of their of their total pie. However, however, movie production is shut down. <laughs> ah, Genghis, I don't think anybody can do that. Can, they can, I can only block you, and I haven't blocked you. What you really mean is, <laughs> have I blocked everybody else? And I haven't. So movie production is shut down. Moreover, distributors are shut down. So movie theaters are shut down. Moreover, distributors are fighting a, a civil war right now that maybe you don't know. You got to read The Hollywood Reporter with streaming services because they're like, I'm not going to, we're not bouncing back from that. Once people figure out, oh, wow, Capone is out. I can watch Capone from home. I don't have to stand next to the dumbasses looking at their phones in the fucking movie theaters. I don't have to do that. People are worried. They're never going to come back to movies. And I tell you what I paid for Capone is not what I would have paid for a dinner, a, a night for two out at the theater. The wife and I like going to the theater, but the reality of it is we watch Capone, perfectly happy, do it in bed, half naked. That's all right. So this is a civil war, but that's no cash coming in. <laughs> that's that. that <laughs> okay. You know, there's no cash coming in. Yeah, the IPO already collapsed. So, you know, with this Disney, these are, these are, this is like Joe Pesci and JFK. This is a, a you know, a riddle inside of a neighborhood. They're all connected in very strange ways. But the Oopsie, you should uh, read John Nash's stuff and Trent Reinsman's stuff. They're actually following the money, which is good advice we got from Deep Throat in regards to Watergate. And it's as true then as it is now. Okay, money's not coming in the door in the door from seats sold, but money's coming in the door from the commercials that they keep showing again and again, and money's coming in the door for people who actually paid for the fight. I think the last number I heard was seven hundred thousand. You go, oh, oh, that's that's seven hundred thousand. Well, that's that seven hundred thousand. You know what? I worked at a gym, and I worked out at a gym. Agreed. They need to rethink their shit. You know, there are better ways to do this. And this gym, uh, a lot of the cats who I knew in the gym, I wrote about in my novel, uh, A Long Slow Screw. And one of you actually emailed me about buying uh, um, um, I, I, your initials are IT. I don't know if you want your name mentioned. He said, man, I went out and bought, uh, I just ordered, Amazon is the best way to get it, A Long Slow Screw. And, uh, and it, they bundled it with uh, your, your play, uh, the inimitable sounds of love, uh, threesome, and four acts. I say, yeah, I think you'll 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 uh, enjoy enjoy the book. <laughs> so yeah, so, I'm getting sidetracked, getting sidetracked by the comments. I right, keep going. So any so 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 anyway, you got well, where was that? Where was that? Where was that? Oh, so you got these people. You got money. Look, so the mafia guys that I used in my stories for a long, slow screw, which was an aside, a digression. These guys used to work out in the gym, and I finally realized that I work out in the gym with a lot of mafia cats. I was 16 years old, you know? I was 16, I didn't have no idea. And I go, well, yeah, I'd seen The Godfather. What is it? Guy drives up in the sky blue Grand uh, Buick, uh, like Grand Prix, and everybody rushes to the window. Hey, Cheech has got some stuff. Cheech is, you know? Yeah, 
Exactly. Your dong won. Oh, surprise. Whatever. I love your dong. I picked him to win. So I knew it was going to be a good fight, but it was just a fight. Anyway, well, we all run out. She just got some people in the window. Some people go out to the car. I decided to go out to the car. Why not? He opens up his trunk and he's got a dowel in the back of the trunk so that when he opens it up, all these suits are hanging on the suit rack. And I was like, man, this is not like Marlon Brando in the, in the study, you know, and the Godfather with the, you know, these nice houses out on the island. And this is, this is a guy in a, in a Buick with rust spots and he's got fucking 20 suits in the trunk. You know, he's selling the suits for $200, $100. And, and then I thought on a subway at home, I was like kind of like trying to say, how do you, the economics of mafia living, how do you make this work? And then I realized they stole the suits. The suits were stolen from a truck that was hijacked, that was full of suits or, or redirected from the garment industry. Nah, Crown Vic were cop cars. Yeah, there was no Tahoe Beach. And I go, so that means everything is Vic. Everything is chip. Everything is cream on, at that point. So they pull in 700,000, I don't know if it was 700,000 buys or $700,000. People might say, oh, that doesn't seem like that much, but it's enough. And it's better than zero. And they bundled these together. So now we've got 14 days. They move back the next one, but they didn't move it back 14 days. But I think there'll be 14 days between that and the first one. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I start to feel just like in that 45 seconds I had between asking the woman to have sex with me and then telling the woman I did not want to have sex with her. I'm doing all this thinking and I'm, I'm leaving the fight last night. I'm shaving in the, in the bathroom as I'm watching the fight and I'm going, I feel dirty. Yeah, I, I don't feel good. And I mean, you know, we can go back. We can go back to, to what kicked off the turn and you know where I'm going to go with this. What kicked off the turn was the Anthony Smith uh, Glover to Sheriff fight because I could do I could do shit I I should do I could do shit like this I could do shit like this you know like I went into it on the care don't care preview last week I talked about how I'd watch the shows on the protest that I would watch them but I wouldn't pay for them that that I would somehow recognize my distaste for the fact that I think that these guys who who were in a position who were in a position to care I mean the thing is the thing is. If I come on the show and I say, uh, 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 fuck Keith Peterson or, you know, uh, you know, fuck Anthony Smith, it doesn't have any bearing. I'm just just a guy with a loud mouth. They have no expectation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was bad dope. They have no expectation that I'm going to be nice to them, good to them, helpful, useful in any way, shape or form. Like like a friend of mine said when he was dumping somebody, <laughs> he's you just an email address to me, which I thought was the coldest cut of them all. <laughs> You're just an email address to me. Let me put this in perspective for you. Email. I am less than that to a lot of these fighters. So whether good, bad, or indifferent, it doesn't matter what I do to them. 
They don't have any expectation that I'm going to do something good for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. I didn't go there. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I'm an Anthony Smith fan, but I called that fight for for Teixeira for reasons that we'll go into in a bit. So, so, uh, but I don't like it like when Mark Kerr and Mark Coleman used to train at Beverly Hills Jiu-Jitsu training. Mark Kerr, had his, his Coleman was starting to go down and Kerr's star was starting to rise and they would train deeply earnest and Kerr would leave and Mark Coleman would be like, I hate that fucking guy. Ah, uh, I don't like that. If I don't like you, I don't have anything to do with you. It's easy. Like Bukowski said in, in Barfly, don't you just hate them? Man, I feel better when they're not around. Hate's kind of a strong emotion. It's, it's the opposite of love. It's not hate. It's indifference. I'm yeah, I'm just indifferent. Yeah, but to get up in those guys' shit and not to be a James—I mean, like that, like my friend who said who was a uh, who was a under Secretary of Defense under the George W. Bush administration. He goes, Eugene, you're like a dog. If it's nice to you. You're there forever. So on the flip side of that is you're not nice to me. I don't ever forget that. So, <laughs> but it started to turn with me because I don't expect that that Anthony Smith expects that he actually, but his corner. And I'm not really Ho Jogain. It's not really um, Ho Jogain. It's not really uh, the one who I'm going to. For, but he actually made a really salient point. He goes without the crowd noise, which sort of modulates the amount of information that a fighter can get from their corner, these guys are acting like they're playing a video game control, not realizing that they have a real fighter out there, and they're telling them, do this, do this, do this, do this. He does 176, whatever the fight count was, 145, 176 punches, and I forget this is a, a real human on the other side of it. Now, I've been in that situation before in my, my brief MMA career. A guy shows up in a gi, in a gi for fight club. And somebody and when somebody said, hey, man, you might want to take your gi off. He's like, no, nah, I'm cool, bro. I'm cool. I go, brown belt. Whoa, okay. Brown belt. And I hear somebody say, yeah, but judo. I go, okay, I got, I'll fight you. <laughs> I'll fight you. I was 40 years old back then, so this is about 17 years ago. So I, I, I take the guy down, I mount him, and I said, yeah, bro, you're done. And he goes, no, I'm not, and he tries to hit me. <laughs> and without much enthusiasm, I kind of hit him, and he struggles a little harder, tries to hit me again. I was like, huh. I, I said, bro, you're done. He goes, no, I'm not. So I hit him a little harder, and he tries to hit me from, fruitlessly from the bottom. And then I go, you know what? <laughs> I would never have apologized like Glover did. But there's a point at which, you know, I got to put you out of your fucking misery. I got to put you in a situation where after you wake up, you immediately fire your entire corner. And I, at that point now, I rose up and I started bringing down... Thor's hammer on the guy's face. And the guy took three of those out. Uh, yeah, he took three of those. 
And they're like, oh, okay. It's like, look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. But Glover Teixeira, who had some of the best years of his life, yanked out of the fight game because of some immigration bullshit. If you've ever been screwed with coming through customs or immigration, you know, I, yeah, who knows? But, and they didn't mention this at all. They mentioned just very briefly, he's training with Hackleman. I, I, that's where I saw him at Hackleman's because I did a piece on, uh, on Chuck Liddell and Hackleman. It was a cover of uh, that band Atreyu. Was gonna, you know, you're a journalist, you get weird gigs. I was supposed to tag along with Atreyu and Chuck Liddell all day. And then they were going to train. And I did it. <laughs> but, of course, I was just supposed to write about it. Um, no, nah, I don't think the breaking at home affected him. But, of course, at the end, I had to challenge Liddell to a fight. So, And the guys from Atreyu were like, what, a journalist? fuck you shitty heavy metal band sit down you know and i took them to my car we walked to the parking lot afterward and we're heading to the car i said hey man i i got something for you and i could see them go oh god another another a demo tape from a band that thinks we can help them i was like hey relax yeah they're shitty they're nice guys but they were shitty and we get to the car and i say you guys can fight over it keep it in the tour van whatever here's my book Fighter, everything everyone's nobody asking me, but afraid to get your ass kicked. They were like, oh, okay, we'll take, we'll take, we'll take. It's like, bro, giving you my fucking band's music would be like showing my dog a cell phone. It'd be pointless. But at this point now, Anthony Smith is Mark Kerr, and the bald one is Mark Coleman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that would be tough. That would almost be as bad as the time I had to see Matthew Sweet in the Indigo Girls in one show. That was a weekend of my 30th birthday. Yeah, a woman took me to this. And the next night followed it up with what? Jimmy Buffett. Strangely enough, I was shocked at how many Jimmy Buffett songs I knew. But of course, me being me, I got into a fight in the in the uh, in the audience some drunk guy decided to use my head as a handrail and i reached up and grabbed his belt and then his collar and then I just upended him it was fantastic it was like a second date with this woman <laughs> ah, it was fantastic and then the guy like stood up and he had like a clod of dirt in his mouth and he staggered off and all of her friends were these kind of urban professionals and they were kind of like Okay. Fuck them. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, man, I don't like those sloppy drunks. I don't mind. You know, last time I saw a friend of mine, he was like perfect kind of drunk, super gentlemanly, and had the art of courtly manners. And he's like, oh, you cheat. How are you? And then I remembered that this guy was actually had done 10 years in prison for murder. <laughs> I was like, well, he might have done 10 years in prison for murder, but he is a he is a superlative drunk. Very smoothed out. <laughs> so um, so it started to turn because I have to say what the week before now these fights start to collapse and sandwich on each other. I was actually pretty happy. Last show, 113, you heard me talk. Talk about it. yeah, I watched them the protest, but in general, 
hey, you know, it was. A, and I thought, well, I don't have to watch Wednesday's fight on Wednesdays. That was my absence on on the Twitter machine to talk about it. But I watched it the next day, and I. But then it started to sit with me, and it was a feeling of unease that didn't didn't go away. Certainly, you know, there there were bright spots on the card. Usually, when 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 my cats win, there are bright spots on the card, and uh, you know, I'm completely fine being able to best uh, both Steph and John Nash. But the reality of it is, I'm watching this thing last night as I'm shaving, and I'm like, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think because behind it, usually what happens is, you know, in Plato, they talk about the realm of eternal ideas, good, true and beautiful. And that what we live with down here are those ideas expressing themselves. And sports somehow allows us a window into seeing that stuff a little bit more clearly. But it also works the other way, not the look up, the look down where you see greed and avarice and smallness. <laughs> exactly. And, well, he was a great, but it turns out it wasn't just alcohol that he was also using heroin at the time. So that's why he was smoothed out. But that makes the story less, makes him less sympathetic. So I usually leave that part of the story out. I did a, I did a piece on him for Ozzy, uh, which you can see, and I forget the name of it. I forget the name of it, but his name is uh, Sam McBride. Uh, now he's clean and and uh, and uh, uh, clean and sober, and uh, running a, a tattoo parlor out in Alameda called Tiger's Blood. And uh, I know a lot of people from the old days uh, who won't talk to him because he. Well, you can watch the the video that we made about him. Uh, but I, 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 yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Greed, avarice, and smallness, and and fundamentally. If I told you that there was a restaurant, thank you, thank you, Mr. P, it's right there. If I told you that there was a restaurant, that uh, the food was, eh, you know, it was okay, it was good in general, but that they cut a few corners, right? Hey, cut a few corners to save a little money. You know, the, the tomatoes... Yeah, you know, if they want top restaurants get their tomatoes from Italy, they get their tomatoes from Chernobyl. And it's a small thing. And maybe they charge a little too much. Damn, you know. And maybe they don't really pay the waiters, you know, what they should. And maybe you don't feel that great after you eat there, but it's food. That's our standard. It's food. That's our standard. It's food. You know, I could hang out at the 7-Eleven by the juniper bushes by the back, by the dumpster, and I could see fights that would leave me feeling better. That, well, you, usually, why are you being such a nattering nabob of negativity? These fights actually ended up, you know, family treeing into interesting places. Didn't you love Johnny, Johnny Boney Joni's response to Anthony Smith? I did love that. <laughs> exactly. The food is terrible, but the portions are huge. You can get as much terrible food as you want. So it did flower in interesting places. Of course, McRapist over there in Dublin. You know, and you know what's you know what's stupid? McRapist, McRapist teammates had, for a while they got into some Twitter war with me. And they're like, yeah, you know, we're gonna come, you come to Dublin, we're gonna stove your head in with a brick. 
And I said, hey, man, I'm actually in Dublin all the time. I go there with my band. I said, you know what? Why don't we have a pint together? We'll talk it out. What's, you know, hitting me is not going to improve the quality of your life. And it's not going to unrape that woman's anus. So let's just be normal about it. Somebody said to me, hey, you, I, maybe, hey, you know, you might want to. I was like, okay, I'm not a dummy. <laughs> like when I wrote a thing about the Armenian, uh, that Armenian gangster, and I got, a, I got an email from his nephew in Chicago offering to hang out with me. We should come by the restaurant. So yeah, bro, not going to do that. <laughs> I come from a long line of people who managed not to check to see if the bear was still in the cave. And you think that bear was still in the cave? Yeah, there was a bear there last week. He attacked Johnny, yeah. You think the bear's I don't know. I'll tell you what, hey, wait here for a bit. I'm going to go check. <laughs> that guy has no ancestors. That guy who checked to see if the bear's in the cage, he has no ancestors. So Eugene, this is a flower. Johnny Boney Joni biting and, and Mick Rapey coming back with comments about how not only could he kick this person's ass and that person's ass, and he's a Justin Gaethje, he could fuck Gaethje up, and the, 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 the binga binga, whatever. And we saw philosophical shifts that gave us pleasure. We spent all last week talking about Susan Lucci, Erica, Tony Ferguson. And I've come to a different conclusion slightly. I don't think Tony Ferguson's finished, but can Tony Ferguson live with Tony Ferguson as executive level gatekeeper? Now, keep in mind, keep in mind that that Gustafson had to leave. He had to pull a two short and actually leave the game before his mind got right about being an executive level gatekeeper. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's I don't think that fight. It turns out Khabib's father came out of the coma, but I don't think we see Khabib fight again in 2020. Just my take. I could be wrong. Question it. You know, uh, they're talking about Gaethje, and like I heard somebody say November. That would be fine, or they got to pull his belt. I don't expect things will still be shut down by November. People will still be getting sick, but they won't be shut down. What somebody said that was best, and this is where it redounds to a failure in leadership. Somebody said, we shut down to give the government time to catch up, and the government didn't spend any time spending that time catching up. I mean, we could put up with a lot as a people, as a nation, but if we turn around and say, Okay, okay, we're gonna we're not gonna clog up the way. We know it takes a lot of moving parts. You guys gotta put this fire out, go. And we come back and the fire's still burning. The shit's still burning down. Like, what the fuck have you guys been doing? What have you been doing? Hey, didn't I tell you to go inject some Clorox or Lysol? That, didn't that help? No, man, in actual fact, it didn't help. It's not how, what the fuck have you been doing? The most powerful country in the world, and you can't make fucking ventilators? We just gave you eight weeks to do this shit. So like they say, every conversation, there are two conversations. There's the one that you can actually hear, and then there's the unspoken one of going back and forth between people. And this is what caught me up with the woman and the sex in the sunny day. There was this conversation, you should have sex with me. Yes, I will have sex with you. And then there was a secondary conversation where I was like, well, you think you're doing me a favor? You're not doing me a favor. 
That's true. That much is true. That is true. I actually, the first fight that I saw, not this, not Gaethje. <laughs> not Gaethje, but uh, before Gaethje, it was weird without the audience. Now I'm quite comfortable with the audience. By what you mean, now I'm quite comfortable with no audience. But don't sell me shit, right? Don't tell me you're following testing protocols and you yourself haven't been done. Don't tell me, and I'm seeing guys, you know, standing next to each other, joking about it. Don't tell me that. Because right now, I'm exclusively tweeting out people who were like virus protesters who got the fucking virus, and they're like, oh, shit, this is fucking shitty. Yeah, I actually prefer it as well <laughs> at this point now. I quite, I can think. I can hear. And I'm seeing unadorned. It's as close to 7-Eleven as I'm going to get on, you know, HDTV. <laughs> My own eyes. Yeah, well, his his corner, Tony's corner, said we need to give Tony some time just to not just to be Tony again. It's too bad Anthony Smith didn't get those guys in his corner. Now, I've seen corners destroy fighters. You know, I've seen people, I've, I've seen people, I've seen guys, I've seen a coach, a guy who I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt was able to beat the person he was fighting first round, but I could see his head is getting on top of him. And he goes back to his corner after taking no damage goes back, this is a, a local fight, he goes back to his corner and his coach says, how you doing? He goes, okay, I'm pretty, I'm pretty tired. He goes, you don't want to go out, do you? Here we go full circle. I had a roommate, the guy who was friends with the girl who got stabbed. They were both in the same city up in Oregon. And I'd be getting ready for a date. And he'd be saying, oh, so what are you doing? You got a, you got a date coming up, huh? I go, yeah, I bet you're pretty excited about that date. I go, oh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. All right, yeah, I'm just cute enough. He's like, yeah. Well, it's a good thing that you, you know, that you're not worried about anything. I go, worried? What's the word I'd be worried about? He goes, ah, you know, I don't know. There's so many different things you could worry about. Like, you know, you, after all this time, you've been getting around. I know you cleaned your clothes for you. That's a big deal. You know, you have to move it. And it's for you because you have no money. You said, you know, but you get down and, you know, something weird happens and you, and you just can't get it up. And I was like, ah, that's not going to happen to me. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's what everybody says. You know, but think you're down there after all this time and you just can't get it up. I'm like, yeah, that's what. He goes, no, 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 really, man. You just, you try and you try and the more you try, the worse it gets. And the worse it gets and she doesn't know, she thinks it's her. And you're like, and you're just spiraling down and you can't get it up. And I'm like, yeah, man, you're funny. And he goes, and then... If you do get it up, now say you get it, like actually after all of this, you do get it up and you start going at it and then you blow your load. 30 seconds, 10, 20, 30. What is that going to do for you? What is that? 30 seconds. 30. But it's a good thing that you're not worried about all that. <laughs> now, I shortened it in the name of expediency, but he would do this for like an hour and a half as I'm getting ready. I'm shaving, I'm brushing my teeth, you know, I'm getting my clothes out. I'm just follow me from room to room in our apartment. And he would do this. 
<laughs> so the guy says, you don't want to go out, do you? And he's like, well, I go, because you don't have to. Don't go out. And he goes, okay. And they wave the fight off. And I'm like, you just destroyed that fighter. You just, why would you do that? The time to hold it and a time to fold it. You just destroyed that fighter. And that guy has never fought again. Supremely talented. What we, what we used to call in the old day a practice athlete, though, it, because could never show up on game day. <laughs> could never show up on game day. So there's a corollary to that. My teeth are falling out. My teeth are falling out? Yo, bro, fuck it. You, I'm feeling pretty sure that you've gone as far as you can go in this fight. Bob-bing. Fire may do whatever. At least I got a guy who, who I can work, who's not in a hole tomorrow. Win, lose, everybody does it, but this guy's in a hole tomorrow, and now he's dealing with head trips. Now, the right thing happened for Glover to share. And the fact, the right thing happened for Anthony Smith. Figuring out your place in space is a hard lesson to have, especially in front of the world, but it happens to most of us. But what concerns me, what concerns me in this time, in this COVID time, you know, the, the, the loyalty. And I said, I, you've heard me say before, I don't give a shit about loyalty and honor and these fuzzy words to get young men to run off and die for stupid shit. I don't care about any of those things, but I do care about them. I will not allow myself to be manipulated or driven by them. But fundamentally, if it violates my sense of fair play, that these are hard class rules. And like my friend, the undersecretary of defense, the George W. Bush administration said to me, I'm like a dog. You're nice to me. We are friends forever. I will go out of my way to back your play. A hundred percent. Nothing, not, very little at that point will shake me off of you. Except weakness and cowardice. <laughs> no, no, I laughed. <laughs> But I'm a sadist, you know. I did laugh. So, um, so the idea that in his corner, that you either have people who are stupid, incompetent, or mean spirited, which fundamentally totaled up to a total lack of 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 back in dudes play. Now you could say that the guy would say, "I'm going to fire you all after that." Fine, fine. Use me as an excuse, as a whipping boy. Use me that way. That's fine. Safe face, whatever. But that fifth round, how many years does that take off of your career? And when people think back about Johnny Boney Joni and the total softness of his last few fights against Silva, who still probably hasn't figured out how to walk again, and Smith, think about, well, who's the clown now? Smart move, smart play, smart guy. Live for tomorrow and every tomorrow after that. The reality of it is this trio, this troika of fights, like I said, watch them under protest. Suggest you do the same. Perfectly okay talking about them. Perfectly okay watching them. Perfectly okay commentating on them. Well, you know what I'm not okay with? I'm not okay with being in the bus with that bald-headed bus driver. 
Nothing I can do about that. But God love you. I hope at some point that the overlords at WME, at some point, they change bus drivers. Because at this point, history books are full of guys who thought that that guy was their friend. I'm behind you 100%, buddy boy. Yeah. But you're fucking me. That's not the kind of behind you I need right now. And like my friend in Israel said, the three-card Monty guy, when I tried to get him to explain three-card Monty to me, and he just looked at me very sadly and paused and said, Eugene, nobody who knows anything about life plays this game. And that's how we're going to end the show. <laughs> nobody who knows anything about life gets into a bus with a ball-headed bus driver. Well, Eugene, what do you do? Okay, get in that bus, but then realize it's all about your placement in that bus. Johnny Boney Joni, his life appreciably, uh, appreciably improved. McRapist, many, many. How many? What percentage many? What percentage many have had their fat pulled from the fire and have, have stepped into the future of significance being on the bald one's bus? What percentage? Go ahead. Yeah, I like that. The least stupid thing about the two people fighting each other on occasion. Exactly. What percentage? Even aggressive percentage. Aggressively, if you want to be, if you're an aggressive positivist, you can't tell me that you believe that more than 30% of the fighters who've engaged, been engaged by the UFSI have come out smelling like a rose. I won't believe it. Name them. I need to sit down with a list of, of, of past fighters of future. You name them. I had a couple of dark star moments this past week where they said somebody's name, and I was like, oh, whoa, is that guy still around? And that guy was like a famous name. I just hadn't heard it in a while. 30% is being super aggressive. And if you want to go with a guy, I mean, who is the cat who they said, Oh, he's been fighting since the 90s. The guy who beat Verdum, Olyanik. Yeah, exactly. That cat's a perpetual dark star. He should have that on his business cards. Anyway, he, we're done. The show's over. It's round version 114. Thanks for listening. There is no care, don't care this week because uh, there are no more fights next week. They got pushed back. Tuesday night. There is a uh, only uh, if the shoes fit at 8 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, 11 Eastern time, wherever you are in the rest of the country or the world, you can figure out accordingly. Articles this week that I got on Ozzy, I don't know. But if you follow me at Eugene S. Robinson on the Twitter thing, uh, I'll, I'll send it out. And I'm, next weekend, uh, I'm recording a music video. A music video. Ah, it's going to be great. I play a wizard. <laughs> I, I actually, uh, Kasha is directing it and ordered some equipment. So we have equipment going. So that's, that's on the table for next week. So by Sunday, I'll have done it Saturday night and see if I can do it without shooting my 
shooting any of my limbs off. It's going to be a special type of wizard. It's a great song. So anyway, thanks for listening. I'm 12 minutes over. Uh, uh, I appreciate you sticking uh, between now and say Tuesday night or next Sunday. Don't die. Wash your hands. Don't have people breathing up in your face. And if you do, you know what I always say? Look what you made me do! Ah!